You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. With over 8,000 threat hunters analyzing over 65 trillion signals daily, Microsoft works tirelessly with the federal government to keep our nation's data secure. This 30-year-plus partnership is driving mission innovation that is secure by design. Whether optimizing your existing defenses or tackling advanced threats with AI, Microsoft gives you the intelligence and the automation you need to defend at mission scale. Let's work together to stay ahead of emerging threats and secure your mission anywhere. Learn more at aka.ms slash fedcyber. That's aka.ms slash fedcyber. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. The affiliates are kind of wanting to get their name out there and say, hey, you know, we do great work on ourselves. Uh, we don't need to be cast in the shadows of the ransomware operators, we can we can kind of make a name for ourselves. So that's kind of what we're seeing right now. That's Michael DeBolt. He's chief intelligence officer at Intel 471. The research we're discussing today is titled How Groove Gang is Shaking Up the Ransomware as a Service Market to Empower Affiliates. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust Plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Well, first of all, big shout out to the McAfee Advanced Threat Research Team who we collaborated with on this. Uh, if you haven't already, check those folks out. Uh, they do amazing stuff. Yeah, as far as, you know, kind of understanding and wrapping our heads around uh, what we mean by a shakeup of the traditional model, I think it's first really important to understand the really the nuts and bolts of what we mean by the traditional ransomware as a service model. And uh, when you think about it, for the most part, ransomware operations is split into two distinct roles. You have affiliates and you have service operators. Sometimes we call those developers as well. Um, affiliates, those are the folks who nowadays, it hasn't always been like this, but nowadays they're fairly skilled penetration testers. Their job is to basically go out and find and gain access to new target networks, move laterally, escalate privileges, um, ultimately find their way to an organization's domain controller, 
um, and then hand off the keys basically to service operators or you know the ransomware service operators we call developers as well. They develop the actual ransomware malware. They run the infrastructure needed to successfully extort the victims. They have the decryption keys. They run the name and shame blogs. They do all the payment processing and sometimes even the call centers. So historically, uh, you know, you have these two distinct roles. It's been almost like a structured hierarchical setup with the service operators being at the very, very top, kind of calling the shots and the affiliates, as I would call the workhorses at the very bottom. Yeah. And so you have this situation where uh, historically it's been a very hierarchical setup. Now, as we're seeing with this uh, bad book fallout, we'll talk about that, I'm sure. The affiliates are kind of wanting to get their name out there and say, hey, you know, we do great work ourselves. Uh, We don't need to be cast in the shadows of the ransomware operators. We can can kind of make a name for ourselves. So that's kind of what we're seeing right now Hmm. is breaking up the hierarchical structure. Now, is it fair to say that this hierarchical structure was functioning fairly smoothly for a while? That, that at the outset, as it was established, it, it seemed like all parties were were doing well and uh, and profiting from it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just look at the news headlines, right? Ransomware has been prolific over the last two years. I mean, th- there's nothing to suggest that anything is necessarily wrong with the hierarchical model. It's been quite successful. People have made, you know, cyber criminals have made tons and tons of money, billions of dollars. But what we've seen is a shift in, you know, back in the day when you had ransomware, back in 2014 and even earlier, you had affiliates kind of casting a wide net, if you will. So they would be botnet operators looking for installs. It was, you know, more of a quantity game versus a quality game. Whereas now, the skills that an affiliate needs to have is more about big game hunting. So finding uh, the juicy nuggets, finding the targets that are really going to pay off in the end. And that requires a little bit more of a skill set. So you're starting to see this, uh, I would say this imbalance emerge between the skills that are required for a ransomware operator and what's required of an affiliate. And affiliates are starting to to realize that they can you know, make a name for themselves. Hmm. Well, take us through, I mean, when did we start to sense that there was some unhappiness between the uh, developers and their affiliates? Yeah, so it really started earlier this spring, back in April of 2021, this saga, if you will. It started back in uh, April when we saw the D.C. Metropolitan Police were actually breached and their data was leaked by a ransomware group we called Babook. This gained a lot of really unwanted public attention from the group and also from the underground community writ large. So what they did was they announced that they were shifting tactics. They were going to move away from traditional encryption-based extortion. They were only going to do data exfiltration and then naming and shaming. They released a ransomware source code to the public as sort of proof that they were, they were, they were going to do this. And they shut down their affiliate program. What they were trying to do is you know, get back below the radar operate in the shadows, basically telling the world that they were done with locking up victim computers. And this was really the beginning of Babook's fallout and the eventual rise of what we now see as the new Ramp Forum, which we detail in the blog, and also a corresponding group we know as as Groove, which are likely ex-affiliates or perhaps even a subgroup of, of Babook. And then in May, and we saw the Colonial Pipeline attack happen, and really the forum administrators from across the popular forums, they got real nervous. Uh, <laughs> they started reacting. 
saying, oh no, what's going on? You know, we're kind of getting exposed out there in the public. This media attention is a little bit too much that we want to deal with. So they started banning all this ransomware activity on their platforms, which was quite a big deal. Uh, they wanted to, again, stay away from the heat caused by, by that high-profile event. They mentioned D.C. Metropolitan Police hack as another high-profile incident. They, they were underground community was becoming toxic and dangerous. Those are the kind of words that they used. So they banned all these ransomware operators. So you kind of start seeing some, you know, the fallout of a book in early April. Then you see the ransomware operators getting banned. It's kind of setting the stage here for these affiliates who are, like I said, kind of this underlying workhorse for these ransomware operators saying, you know what, maybe it's time for us to start making a name, making a name for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So then in July, we saw this new form emerge called Ramp and this, this group called Groove. Uh, and interestingly, uh, as we detail in the blog, this new forum and the, and the blog that was created was hosted on the same Tor-based resource that was previously hosted by my book, their name and shame blog. So there's some connections there that uh, were quite interesting between this new group and that book. Can you give us some details about this ramp forum itself? I mean, did it, uh, was it a brand new thing that, uh, that spun up in order to host this sort of thing or was it pre-existing and they, you know, they welcomed since there was a vacuum for, for uh, a place for folks to advertise these sorts of wares? Yeah, so we've. This is not the first time we've seen. I guess what we would call a network access marketplace. Uh, there's there's a couple of other ones out there. Uh, what makes this one interesting is the connection between a known ransomware group in my book, and actually, there's also connections to another uh, ransomware group we call Black Matter. But it, it was the connection between Ramps administrator, the actor known as Orange, and the previous group the book and the, and the fallout. So really ramp is around offering a platform for affiliates or anybody else that wants to make money off of stolen network access to go and sell those wares. This actor who created ramp claimed that the new forum was for ransomware related actors who were ousted from the main forums, you know, back in May. And he claimed that this groove gang had been in operation for two years doing cyber industrial espionage like I said, likely as affiliates or a subgroup of that book and, and also at least another ransomware group called Black Matter. And they were basically looking to expand beyond the shadows of ransomware, looking to become more self-sufficient in their aim to make more money on their own. In fact, one of the things that they said was, we don't care. We don't care who we work with and how. You've got the money, we're in. So you mentioned the word orange and, and that being uh, a name that someone is using here. Can you, can you clarify that a little bit? Who is this, uh, this entity using the name orange? Sure. And as with anything that you do in the cybercrime underground, uh, you really take a grain of salt with some of these handles and aliases that actors use. But this is essentially the handle that was used by the administrator who created the, the forum. All right. Well, how about the Groove Gang themselves? I mean, what what are the the details there? What have you learned about that organization? Yeah. So Groove purports to be either a subgroup or affiliates of that book. Uh, we also see some connections between Groove and uh, the infrastructure that was used by not only that book but but other ransomware groups as well, which tells us gives us a strong hint that the Groove Gang was one of these affiliates 
that were really fueling the ransomware surge that we've seen within the last year and a half or two years by providing those network accesses. So this is probably a, a group of Eastern European individuals, small group, trusted group, who um, are highly skilled in penetration testing. They understand how to go about um, targeting big whale, you know, big game hunting operations using credentials, stolen credentials and vulnerabilities. And, and, and they know how to monetize that through ransomware and other means. So in terms of the way that they're operating here, you know, this, this group who's sort of broken away and become, you know, independent of the previous developers, are they using the same tactics, techniques, and procedures as, as they were previously, or have they evolved things to suit their own purposes? Yeah, they're going to do what, what has been successful in the past. Um, their tactics, techniques, and procedures they've used to gain initial access into large organizations is, is not going to change. And it really is, is around, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't sound too, uh, too exciting, but a lot of these groups, Groove and, and others that we've seen, are using stolen credentials as initial access techniques. They're perusing shops, automated shops that sell credentials in bulk. They're also, in some cases, running their own botnets, information stealer botnets, where they're capturing malware logs and then uh, parsing through those logs for juicy targets, uh, mostly network access points like RDP and VPN and others, Citrix, and then basically going through that, prioritizing uh, what they have and gaining initial access at that point and, and leveraging that for further on exploitation. Getting to the domain controller is the main the main goal. And then what's once they're in, what happens next? How, how do they go from there? Well, um, if they're working with a ransomware operator, i.e. they're working with a bad book or they're working with a, you know one of the other, you know, pick one ransomware group, they'll go ahead and sell that access to to the group. The ransomware operator will deploy the ransomware from there and then they'll take a cut based on whatever the payout scheme is and whether the victim decides to pay. The other option is they can go in, into the underground market. There's a whole marketplace for selling network accesses. Um, and at that point, you're selling it wholesale and to the top bidder. And the top bidder gets to do whatever they want with those network access credentials at that point. Is there any sense, you know, within the the online forums, you know, the places where these folks uh, trade their wares, uh, are they receiving respect? Uh, do people uh, admire the work that they're doing? Is there is there resentment from some of the people who were here first, or, or any threats of retribution? Or do you track any of that sort of thing? Certainly, there's. I mean, we're talking about a community of criminals here, so um, we're not mm. we're not talking about the most upstanding individuals. So certainly, you'll have situations where there's arguments and. Uh, you know, blacks being opposed against other uh, actors for, you know, a, a lack of um, service uptime or whatever it ends up being. But I guess for the most part, there's almost a, there's definitely a com competition that these network access brokers have right now. But I don't, I don't see any, you know, major conflict between, between them. And maybe that's because we're seeing kind of the start of this conglomeration, if you will, of network access brokers kind of banding together, like we do see with Groove. Previously, we've seen these network access brokers come into the market almost as individual operators. We've seen some connections and maybe we, maybe there could be groupings of one or two individuals, but nothing like the hierarchical um, setup that we've seen with ransomware 
uh, operations in the past. So it's still kind of a hodgepodge of network access brokers coming into the market, um, kind of doing their own thing. And really, the demand is there. And people want, you know, these actors, they want network accesses so they can leak data, they can uh, enter into a corporate network, try to escalate their privileges and get to the domain controller and do whatever they want at that point. So they're just these network access brokers and the Groove Gang, you know, they're just going to meet that demand and meet that need. Do you suspect that we're going to see this sort of thing continue, this kind of uh, professionalization of these sorts of services? Absolutely. I, I think we're seeing it with Groove. I think we're seeing it with Ramp, with the network access marketplaces. I think you'll have, you know, pen testing as a service is, is something we're starting to see a little bit more professionalized as people, you know, in the underground, they start to realize that they can also contract that out. That can also be a service that they don't necessarily have to upskill themselves on. They can go and, and rent that service, if you will. For the network defenders out there, I mean, how does the information you're sharing here uh, inform how they approach protecting themselves? Sure. Well, it, it's uh, like I said before, it's a lot of this has to do with initial access, right? I mean, that, this is what's fueling the ransomware surge that we have is individual and sometimes one or two individuals who have formed a group are going out there looking at uh, any opportunity they can to access a big game target through through network accesses, through stolen credentials, really. Some of them we're seeing, you know, using exploited, you know, vulnerabilities, but for the most part, they're looking for, for credentials. So it's a low hanging fruit. We say it over and over and over again, but multi-factor authentication is, is going to, you know, it's going to help you quite a bit to remove yourself from being on the list of a low hanging fruit target from some of these actors. Our thanks to Michael DeBolt from Intel 471 for joining us. The research is titled How Groove Gang is Shaking Up the Ransomware as a Service Market to Empower Affiliates. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week.